Welcome to the Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan. I am Magister Bill M. Over the last few months, we've been celebrating 20 years of the Devil's Mischief with a look back at selected episodes. Right now, it is November 2023, and in November, at least here in the United States, comes the holiday of Thanksgiving. So I have chosen two Thanksgiving episodes of The Devil's Mischief to play for you back-to-back. In the first half, we'll hear the 2008 Thanksgiving episode. This episode included, among other comedy, an episode of the classic sitcom On the Family. Now, if you're wondering how a TV show can work in a radio format, the answer is when it has narrations added by me. That will all be in the first hour. In the second hour, we're going back to the golden age of radio to hear comedy from Abbott and Costello. This American comedy duo had their own radio show in the 1940s, and sure enough, they had their own Thanksgiving episodes, so you will hear two of those. Grab turkey drumstick. Here we go, celebrating 20 years of the devil's mischief. Hail Satan and pass the potatoes. Welcome to the Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan. I am your host, the Reverend Bill M. And it's the week of Thanksgiving here in the United States, and I'm talking to you now from my home state of Massachusetts, which is where it all supposedly started. Now, what does Thanksgiving mean to me? Well, it means that it's not only time for a four-day weekend, but time for the annual Thanksgiving Leftovers episode of The Devil's Mischief. Because just like the Great Feast of Thanksgiving, which has you eating leftovers for weeks to come, The Devil's Mischief produces a lot of leftover tracks in the course of a year. I try to cram whatever I can into 60 minutes each week, but on some weeks I have to leave out a track or two due to time restrictions, or I realize it would have gone well with the theme that week, but it was something I just played the week before, or I already had too many tracks from the same comedian, so... This is the hour where I'll be playing some of the clips that just didn't make it into some of the specials from the past year, including the 5th Anniversary Special, the 2-part Stand Down Special, the 1960s Stand Up Special, the 2008 Halloween Special, the Beatlemania episode, and who knows what else. Because unlike Turkey, good comedy never spoils. But that's not all, because also this hour I'll be presenting a narrated episode of one of television's greatest comedy shows, All in the Family. The sixth season of All in the Family included the episode titled The Little Atheist, which aside from being a very funny Thanksgiving special, also proved to be one of the show's most blasphemous episodes as well. So join me in celebrating this great holiday of gluttony and sloth with Archie Bunker, along with George Carlin, Don Knotts, Cheech and Chong, Tiny Tim, and Stephen Wright, starting with this clip of Stephen Wright that unfortunately had to be cut out of the WXYZ episode a few weeks back due to time restrictions. But here it is now. One night I stayed up all night playing poker with tarot cards. I got a full house and four people died. I have a telescope on the peephole on my door so I can see who's at the door for 200 miles. Who is it? Who is it going to be when you get here? I got an answering machine for my phone now when I'm not home and someone calls me up, they hear a recording of a busy signal. I lost a buttonhole. 
I broke a mirror in my house. I'm supposed to get seven years bad luck, but my lawyer thinks he can get me five. I like to skate on the other side of the ice. I like to reminisce with people I don't know. Granted, it takes longer. I like to fill my tub up with water, then turn the shower on and act like I'm in a submarine that's been hit. And I hate when my foot falls asleep during the day, because that means it's going to be up all night. When I get real, real bored, I like to drive downtown and get a great parking spot, then sit in my car and count how many people ask me if I'm leaving. Something else a lot of you are aware of. Those of you with illegal cable hookups will be aware of the fact that uh, one of the things I like to do in my shows is complain, you know? It's kind of a motif for me complaining and of course this weird culture we live in leaves you no shortage of things to complain about so this next piece of material like most good ideas is fairly simple it's just a list of people who ought to be killed okay? right. starting with these people who read self-help books why do so many people need help Life is not that complicated. You get up, you go to work, you eat three meals, you take one good shit, and you go back to bed. <laughs> What's the fucking mystery? And the part I really don't understand, if you're looking for self-help, why would you read a book written by somebody else? <laughs> that's not self-help, that's help. <laughs> There's no such thing as self-help. If you did it yourself, you didn't need help. <laughs> you did it yourself. Try to pay attention to the language we've all agreed on. <laughs> and a similar mystery to me, motivation books, motivation seminars. Why would anyone need to be motivated by someone else? I say if you lack motivation, a seminar isn't gonna help you. What you really need is to be smashed in the head 30 or 40 times with a golf club. <laughs> That'll fucking motivate you. Or else it'll at least get you up and moving around the room. You know, locate your socks, shit like that get the day rolling. Motivation is bullshit. If you ask me, this country could use a little less motivation. The people who are motivated are the ones who are causing all the trouble. Stock swindlers, serial killers, child molesters, Christian conservatives. These people are highly motivated. Highly motivated. Yeah. And anyway, I think motivation is overrated. You show me some lazy prick who's lying around all day watching game shows and stroking his penis, and I'll show you someone's not causing any fucking trouble, okay? <laughs> all right, yeah. Hey. All right. 
The Satanic Scriptures hands down the wit, wisdom, and diabolical perspective of the Church of Satan's high priest, Magus Peter H. Gilmore. These essays, articles, and diatribes have been collected from over 20 years of the high priest's writings for his infernal cabal, some first issued in the pages of publications available only to insiders. From the magic of toys to techniques of time travel, Magus Gilmore leads the reader down a left-hand path where few will find what they expect. Magus Gilmore reveals principles of satanic ritual in a frank discussion of forbidden rites. What is a satanic funeral? How do Satanists marry? Find out now, as these unholy ceremonies have never been disclosed outside of the Church of Satan's hellish hierarchy. Here is the philosophy for those bold enough to be their own gods or devils. Visit thesatanicscriptures.com for more information. Released by Scapegoat Publishing. Available in paperback form from major booksellers and independents nationwide. Here are some more musical vermin whose mothers we wish had had medical plans that included abortion. <laughs> these singers, these singers who think they're so special, they only need one name. Bono, Sting, Jewel, Tiffany, Prince. What a crock of shit. Get a fucking last name, would you please? I got a nice two-word name for you. Pretentious cocksucker. How do you like that? Bono, Sting. It's not bad enough the music sucks, but with no last name, you can't find out where they live to throw a fucking bomb through their window. It's frustrating. Pardon me, sir. Can I talk to you for a minute? Say, listen, I haven't eaten for a week. Could you give me a dime for a cup of coffee or something? Nah, I ain't got no change. Uh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. God bless you, sir. You great. Uh, say, listen, sir. Can, can I talk to you for a minute? Say, listen, listen. My wife's having a baby, and I gotta get her to the hospital. Can you can you give me a dime for a bus fare or something? Yeah. Go, go, let go, my arm, will you? Please, sir. Go on, get lost. Uh, well, thank you very much, sir. God bless you, you bald-headed fart. Uh, excuse me, lady. Can I talk to you for a minute? Yeah, lady. Come here. Come here. No, I'm not gonna hurt you. Come here. Come here, lady. Hey, listen. 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 It's my little kid's birthday today, you know, and I don't have any money. Can you lend me a quarter to buy her a little doll or something, please, lady? Well, okay. There you are. Oh, thank you very much, lady. Thank you. Say, listen. 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 Come here. Come here. Come here, lady. Listen. Listen, lady. It's 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 my other kid's birthday too. Uh, uh, can you give me a quarter for the other kid? They're twins, you see, and uh, and I don't have any money to buy him a present or nothing. Please. Okay, here. Oh, gee, thank you very much, lady. Thank you. God bless you, lady. Thank you. Uh, oh, pardon me, sir, 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 you. Yeah, come here, come here, fella. Say, listen, fella. Have you I'm a heard little... the word of God today? Oh, uh, well, that's all right, fella. Say, For it is written, open up your heart and the Lord will come uh, sure, unto sure, you. Sure, sure, partner, sure, I believe you. He I can save you. your soul, sir. Yes, uh, excuse me, partner. You know, hey, before, this... uh, pardon me, sir, I was can all I... messed up hey, uh... on drugs, but since I found the Lord... Now I'm all messed up on the Lord. Yeah, I can see that. He can now, help you, too. Have you talked to Jesus lately? Oh, sure, sure, sure. I talked to him this morning. He would like to yeah. hear from you, yeah. sir. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll write him a letter. Listen, I got to For go. it uh, is written, me, uh, sir. suffer the little children to come unto me. Yeah, I read that. I read that. For I thine agree. is the yes. kingdom yeah, of yeah, heaven. Yeah. You don't say. You don't yes, say. Yes, sir. Jesus yeah. saves, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. well, I, I believe that. I believe you, that. Sir. Sure, sure. I, I love him, too. Sure. Yeah. Uh, excuse me, sir. Say, listen. Come here. Come here, partner. Yeah, you. Come here. Say, listen. I'm Father Damien. I'm collecting for the missionary church over in the over in the islands. I wonder if you could give me a quarter, sir. Please. Thank you very much, sir. Hey, gee, thank you. Jesus loves you, sir. Jesus loves you. 
Uh, pardon me, sir. Have you heard the word of God lately? Yeah, say, listen, Jesus loves... Oh, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Oh, sir, say, let's... Hey, have you heard the word of God lately? Come here. certain that we all agree that uh, analysis performs a vital role in our society, and it's usually quite successful. And however, uh, sometimes analysis is unsuccessful, and one of the most important contributing factors when a failure occurs is the choosing of the wrong analyst. Some analysts may be capable, but not right for you. you know. Others might just be downright incompetent. Now, here's a young lady showing up for her second session with her analyst. See if you feel she's made the right choice. Oh, uh, there you are, Miss Sanders. <laughs> I was getting a little worried about you. <laughs> Fifteen minutes late. Huh? Oh, you skidded on an icy curve and went off a cliff. Well, you see, that's, that's resistance. <laughs> Subconsciously, you really don't want to come here, sir. <laughs> but seriously, Miss Sanders, there's nothing to be ashamed of in going to a psychiatrist. I mean, after all, if your teeth bother you, you, you go to a dentist. If you have trouble with your stomach, you go to an internist. And uh, so it's only natural that if you're a nut, you come to me. <laughs> right? Okay, so just, just relax and act as if you're in any other doctor's office. No, keep your clothes on. <laughs> I didn't mean it uh, quite that way. Miss Sanders, let's be frank with each other. Now, let, let's cut away all the inhibitions so we don't have to beat around the bush. Let's not go around the barn. Let's say what we mean. Call a spade a spade. Let's you and I have a frank little talk about... The birds and the bees, shall we? <laughs> uh, just, uh, how old were you when you first realized those little bee devils were making whoopee with their honey, huh? <laughs> Sixteen. And what camp was that? <laughs> Up near Lake George, huh? Oh, yes, I know it well. A lot of my patients went there. And, uh... Uh, the lifeguard. Well, uh, I wouldn't feel too bad about that, uh, Miss Sanders. I mean, you were just 16. It was your first time away from home. So the lifeguard uh, and, and the busboy. <laughs> well, still, you see, you were young. A lifeguard and a busboy and... Uh, uh, uh-huh. And, and who else? <laughs> and, and who else? Uh-huh. 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 Just let me get a fresh pad. Uh-huh. Mrs. Sanders, you, you had yourself some summer, didn't you? <laughs> oh, oh, just a weekend. <laughs> oh, oh, and then you went back the following year for the whole summer as a partner. <laughs> well, that, that figures. Uh, uh, by the way, Miss Sanders, what do you do for a living now? Would you just give me that number, please? <laughs> Butterfield 8. 
And you do, you do both laundry and cleaning. <laughs> well, now, Miss Sanders, uh, I detect just a, just a trace of uh, schizophrenia in your makeup. Now, on the one hand, I could tell from your first session that, that you, you're pretty self-centered. Well, for one thing, you talked an awful lot about yourself. <laughs> and then on the other hand, you seem to show a lack of confidence. How do you account for that lack of confidence? You think you've grown ugly. <laughs> well, Miss Sanders, lots of people are bald. <laughs> Doesn't bother Myron Cohn? <laughs> Well, look, Miss Sanders, I see our time's just about up, but before you go, let's clear one little thing up, shall we? Miss Sanders, everyone has an attitude or a series of attitudes about money. Now, psychiatry, in addition to being terribly important, is also slightly expensive. Well, you must be able to get the money someplace. Well, I mean, I have my expenses too, you know. There's office furniture, rent, telephone, cab fare to and from my analyst. And he isn't even helping me. Well, how about your parents? A, a bank loan? Friends? An insurance policy you can borrow on? A, a car? A house? Something you could sell? Well, uh, wait a minute. Now, don't panic. Don't panic. All right, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to help you, Miss Sanders. I'm going to help you out right here. Here's what we're going to do. We'll clean up all your other neuroses first, and we'll save the kleptomania for last. <laughs> Don Knotts with a leftover clip from the 1960s stand-up special, The Devil's Mischief. You also heard some Cheech and Chong, because earlier in the year I did a two-part stand-down special dedicated to studio-recorded comedy, and that clip was uh, one of the ones I wanted to put in. Not sure why I didn't. And you also heard some various clips from George Carlin. I'm sure most of you listeners know that for the fifth anniversary special The Devil's Mischief, I presented a two-part special on Satanism itself. The nine satanic statements and the nine satanic sins told in comedy format. And of course, George Carlin has no shortage of things to say that resonate with the philosophy of Satanism. But again, there's only so much of one artist you can play in an hour, and I spent weeks getting just the right amount of clips in there. From the right artists, and I wanted to play the other George Carlin one, so that's why we have the annual Thanksgiving leftover special of The Devil's Mischief anyway, to play it now. My name is Reverend Bill M. Let me know what you think. Drop me an email. Bill at devilsmischief.com is the address. Also check out the website for the show at www.devilsmischief.com And there's also a MySpace page at myspace.com slash devilsmischief. You'll need the email address for the show if you want to send me a friend request on MySpace, and that is, again, bill at devilsmischief.com. This has been a great season for Radio Free Satan. So many great new shows in the roster and more great episodes from the shows you already know. So go to RadioFreeSatan.com and download the latest podcasts, or even better, just let the RFS jukebox play. RadioFreeSatan.com And now I'd like to play for you my narrated version of The Little Atheist. This was a Thanksgiving special from the sixth season of All in the Family. Now, for those of you who aren't too familiar with the classic, classic show from the 1970s, All in the Family, let me try to give you a crash course in All in the Family 101. All in the Family was originally loosely based on the British TV show Till Death Do Us Part, but uh, it took on a complete life of its own in the States as All in the Family. All in the Family was famous for not only being a hilarious TV show, but a show that really pushed the envelope by facing taboo topics head-on. In the 1970s, it was just unheard of to have shows blatantly dealing with homosexuality, political rants, 
atheism, sex, racism, and it showed how America really was instead of presenting an overly wholesome and false image of the American family like you saw on television in the 50s and 60s. Now, the show All in the Family was all about the Bunkers. Carol O'Connor and Gene Stapleton played Archie and Edith Bunker, a middle-aged couple living in Queens, New York. Archie was a blue-collar, all-American worker, and he worked as a foreman on the loading docks, but he also had a moonlighting job as a cab driver at some point. And he was a war veteran, and grew up in the Depression, and very patriotic, very right-wing and traditional. He was definitely the big star of the show, and a lot of the comedy centered around him being a bigot, or how he'd murder the English language. And uh, he liked smoking cigars and sitting in his special chair in the living room. And one of the recurring gags of the show was that he'd always have to tell visitors who came in to get out of his chair or prevent them from sitting in by making up some excuse about why they shouldn't sit down there. And uh, the actual chair for the TV series was such an iconic symbol of the show, and it's now in the Smithsonian Museum. Now, Archie's wife, Edith, was a housewife known for being not all that bright and uh, possessing an atrocious singing voice, and Archie would often refer to Edith as the dingbat. Archie and Edith had one daughter, Gloria, played by Sally Struthers, and Gloria in the series was in her 20s, and when the series started, she had just gotten married to Michael Stivick, played by Rob Reiner. Michael Stivick was just the complete opposite of Archie, left-wing college student and they lived with Gloria in the, in the Bunker's house while he went to school on the condition that he'd pay back Archie for all the living expenses over those past years during school once he graduated and found a job. So needless to say, Michael was always at odds with his father-in-law, Archie. Archie called him the meathead and always cracked insults about him being Polish or always eating all the food from his icebox, but eventually Michael and Gloria bought the house next door and moved out. And this brings us to the sixth season, where Gloria is eight months pregnant with their first child. Gloria is excited to be cooking Thanksgiving on her own for the first time and in her own house. She invites her parents over, and they also invite over Irene Lorenzo, an Irish-American neighbor of theirs who's a bit of a tomboy and a Catholic, all of which, of course, irks Archie. So let's sit back now and hear an audio version of the Thanksgiving All in the Family episode, The Little Atheist. Boy, the way Glenn Miller played. Songs that made the hit parade. Guys like us, we had it made. Those, Those were the days. And you knew where you were then. Girls were girls and men were men. Mr. We could use a man like Hybrid Hoover again. Didn't need no welfare state. Everybody pulled his weight. G.R.O. LaSalle ran great. Those were the days. And now we take you to Thanksgiving late afternoon at the Bunker's house. Archie and Edith are getting dressed, getting ready to go over to Gloria and Michael's house next door. Archie! Yeah, Edith. Did you kill that spider in the bathtub? <laughs> no, but he's gonna walk funny the rest of his life. <laughs> Archie sings to himself in the mirror as he splashes cologne on his face. Oh, baby face. You've got the cutest little baby face. 
Look at that, not a wrinkle on the guy. <laughs> Nobody else can ever take it. Edith sees so Archie putting on his cardigan sweater. Oh, no, Archie, you ain't gonna wear your sweater to Gloria's house. What are you talking about? Why not? Well, this is Thanksgiving dinner. You're gonna wear your best suit. The turkey ain't gonna know the difference. <laughs> When I get dressed, I am dressed. Oh, no! Edith begins to take off Archie's pants. I don't believe what's happening here. (laughs) What are you believing? This is a new high in low. New dark blue suit? What do you mean, my dark blue suit? I'm going over there to eat, not to get buried. Please. Oh, gee, going over there, getting dressed up just to eat with the daughter. Many's the time she ate with us wearing nothing but a diaper. It won't hurt you to get dressed up once a year. Oh, you're putting a tie around me, too. What do I need a tie for? The only thing I ever see around a meathead's neck is a napkin. Oh, <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner, Gloria, ever cooked, and it's very important to Oh, my important. Get out of here, will you? Get yourself dressed. Oh, dear. Archie, I can't decide between these two dresses. Which one do you think I should wear? Oh, Gigi, whichever. Archie looks in the mirror to focus on tying his necktie, not paying any attention to Edith. Maybe I should wear my yellow and red dress. Yeah, wear the yellow and red one, Edith. But I ain't got no shoes to go with the yellow and red. I'd kill the yellow and red one, Edith. I was hoping you'd pick the black and white one. All right, Edith, going away. You look like the back end of a zebra, but wear it. Do you really like this dress? Yes, Edith, I really like that dress. Oh, you ain't just saying that to make me feel good. Well, I wouldn't say nothing to make you feel good. <laughs> But if you really like the red and yellow one, I could wear my green shoes with it because green goes with red and yellow, don't it? Yeah, if you want to look like a traffic light. (laughs) Help me decide. Don't ask me. I don't know nothing about colors. That ain't no business of mine. What the hell do I look like? An inferior decorator? The red and yellow one. Ooh, oh, but oh. what about my green shoes? Go barefoot in a bathing suit for all I care. The whole thing is ridiculous getting dressed up like a wall over there. Who's going to see me crossing the alley? A couple of cats? <laughs> <laughs> It ain't easy for Gloria to cook this dinner for us in her eighth month and all that running and shopping and everything. And Archie, this is her first Thanksgiving in her own home. All right, all right. I'm getting dressed up for you, ain't I? You look so nice. I just put the aqua velva on. Don't go licking it all. Archie, you know what? What? I think I'll wear my green dress. Because the green shoes go better with the green. Too much green makes people throw up. <laughs> oh, I can't wear this. It's all wrinkled. I got a great idea for you, Edith. What? Put a raisin in your belly button and go as a cookie. Come on. We now go to the Stivics house where a pregnant Gloria is busy in the kitchen. Her husband Michael sneaks into the room from behind and playfully sneaks up behind Gloria and covers her eyes. Who is that? 
the father of your baby. Hey, George. <laughs> oh, ha. The baby kicked? Yeah. Gee, I wonder if I can hear him. Michael presses his ear up to Gloria's tummy right as Archie and Edith walk in. Oh, don't look, Edith. <laughs> What is he doing? He's listening to the baby. What's the baby gonna tell him at this age? <laughs> when am I gonna see you doing something that gives me a lift? Happy Thanksgiving! Oh, hi, Mike. Oh, now, this is an apple and this is pumpkin. Oh, that's Ooh, great. My. Hey, the two of you look terrific. Gee, you didn't have to get all dressed up, Arch. Yes, I did. She forced me. <laughs> Handsome, Daddy. Mm. All right, here for you. They come back to us tomorrow. Grandma, <laughs> bunker silver candlestick. Because this is a very special occasion. Ah, uh, thanks, Ma. I promise to take good care of them. Here, honey. Everybody, get out of my kitchen. Oh, Dinner yeah, will be ready yeah, soon. Right, Can sure. I help you, Gloria? No, Ma. I got it all oh, under control. It smells so all right. good. Oh, oh okay. ain't this beautiful? Yeah. We're having buffet. I thought we was having turkey. <laughs> hey, Arch, why don't you try some of this clam dip? No, 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 I better stick the jam. You got me? <laughs> Come on, Arch, try some on a cauliflower. The cauliflower ain't cooked. He's a ghost. <laughs> Wouldn't it be wonderful if the baby got here by Christmas? Yeah, hey, I'd like to see him sooner. Hey, maybe you could spring him early for good behavior, huh? Daddy, your cigar's stinking up the house. Oh, come on. Oh, I can't wait to take it to the zoo and put it on the pony ride. And maybe on Sundays I could take it to church. Uh, well, you could take him to the park, Ma. After church? Uh, no, no, instead of. Oh. What do you mean, a park? Is the kids going to say prayers in a park to a water fountain? <laughs> Why not? As far as I'm concerned, it makes as much sense as any other kind of prayers. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Dad. Just because you're an atheist, you know, don't mean that my grandchild's got to be gypped out of his religion. Oh, oh. That's right, Mike. Children ought to go to church when they're little, because when they get older, they're having too much fun to be religious. <laughs> decided to try not to influence our child on religion, because well, we want to let him make up his own mind. Oh, ho, 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 now that's where you are 100% wrong, old little girl. The parents got to influence the kids' minds is when they're young. Got to teach them to learn the right thing, see? To be scared of God, to love the dear old USA, to defend American shores in all foreign countries. <laughs> anything else he should know? Sure, there's a lot of other little things. To use his Duke's right, to walk fast through the Puerto Rican neighborhood. <laughs> Arch, I think you're forgetting to teach him the most important thing. Yeah, what? To never listen to his grandfather. <laughs> Why don't you go take a high dive into the clam drip? <laughs> no, no, little girl. No, let me, let me... Archie sits down next to Gloria on the couch, and Gloria takes away his cigar. Yeah, uh, give me there. that. Oh, no, don't flush it out over here. All right. Easy on that. Now, how, how far along are you now? Eight months. All right. Now, how long you been living over here in the colored house? Daddy! How long? Six months? All right, you proved my point. See, the baby got started over there in our house. That's a good God-fearing Protestant house, so that makes him a Christian ipso fatso. 
Suppose a kid were created in a parking lot outside of McDonald's. What would that make him, an ipso fatso hamburger? <laughs> in a parking lot, you dirty guy. You... <laughs> hey, as a matter of fact, our baby was conceived in Leo and Miriam's bungalow. Hey, they're Jewish, so according to Daddy, we're going to have to send him to Hebrew school. <laughs> yeah, that's a great idea. Lots of famous people turn Jewish. Elizabeth Taylor? Oh, that dame would do anything to drive the world crazy. <laughs> Sammy Davis. And he'd do anything for laughs. <laughs> you just do what I tell you, little girl. Daddy, it is up to Michael and me, and we've decided to let our own child make up his own mind about religion. That's telling him, fat lady. Thank you, honey. I better go base the tape. Wait a minute, wait a minute, let me stay. Oh, no, Gloria, I'll base the tape. Uh, thanks. Listen, listen, I'm warning you, two, you mend your ways, and one of these days you're going to be chased around by a lot of little red devils with pitchforks who want to base you. What is all this about being afraid of God? I was taught in Sunday school that God loves everybody. Oh, he does, unless you rub him the wrong way. <laughs> you do that, he sends down plagues at you, like he done with them ancient Egyptian kings, the Varios. <laughs> God has got one hell of a temper. He could hit you with an earthquake or one of them famous floods. Yeah, that flood wiped out a lot of innocent people. And what about all those poor animals that were drowned? Hey, but not the fish. The fish was having a picnic. They was eating Catholics for a change. <laughs> Tell me one thing, just one thing, Arch. Is that what you want for our child, to worship a god who you depict as cruel and merciless? I want to tell you something, buddy, that you better keep a civilian tongue in your head because the Lord can hear him and he knows what's going on every place, every time. You two got to show some respect for him. Get away. All right, wait, wait. all right, all right. Assuming there is a god, which I am not, assuming there is, you say he is everywhere. Yes. And he knows everything. Yes. Well, then he would know what was in my heart. He knows you don't believe in him. <laughs> no, if I did believe in him, Archie, I believe in him because, because he's a, a loving and forgiving God. He won't forgive you for being an atheist, buddy. He would forgive me anything. He wouldn't forgive you for showing him disrespect? Sure he would. Ah, to you. He... <laughs> He'd even forgive me for doing that. Well, for going to me? No, for going to him. Archie sees Michael give the raspberry to the heavens and stares at him, frightened and speechless. Wow! <laughs> wow! You better find a tailor who can measure you for a lightning rod, buddy. You know what you just said here? Well, he I said it, Lord, not me. Did you hear this? You better watch your step out, but give you a idiot. Come out here, idiot. It's almost ready. I've never seen a man so low and depaved <laughs> that he would go to the Lord. But it doesn't make any difference. If I believed in God, I wouldn't go to God. You did it again. But I don't believe in him, so I went to nobody. You did it again. I'm getting the hell out of here. Oh, 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 I'm scared to eat in this house. You know what that meathead just done? He gave the Bronx cheer to the Lord. So, <laughs> and he's going to bring up our grandson to do the same thing. Oh, Come oh, on, geez. eat it. Come with me and don't look back. You'll be turned into a pillow of salt. <laughs> Now available from Purging Talon is the debut authored book by Church of Satan Magister, Matt G. Paradise. 
Bearing the Devil's Mark. Bearing the Devil's Mark is a bold and no-nonsense treatise on the subject of Satanism. Not from the perverse pen of bitter and jealous Christians, or even their pagan counterparts, but straight from the satanic perspective itself. Sex, love, politics, technology, the god religions, and more. All brought to you by someone with over 25 years of actively living the satanic philosophy. To order, log on to PurgingTalon.com. Bearing the Devil's Mark, new from Purging Talon. Do you bear the mark? We now take you back to the Stivics home where Michael is pacing around the living room while Gloria talks on the phone. Yes, Ma. Sure, that sounds fair enough. Yeah, would you please put Daddy on the phone? Okay. Michael, Daddy admits he was wrong for running out of here, and he'll come back over here if you'll apologize for giving God the raspberry. But Gloria, I didn't give God the raspberry. You saw what I did. Michael, please apologize. Gloria, Gloria, please, don't start that. You know I can't handle tears. I'm pregnant, and I get upset easily, and you know how hard I worked on that dinner? Why should I apologize to Archie when he's wrong? (laughs) Gloria, what kind of man would I be if I let your father tell us how to raise our children? (laughs) Who would uh, would honor a man like that? I wouldn't, you wouldn't, our child wouldn't. Michael begrudgingly takes the phone from Gloria. Arch, I apologize. (laughs) You happy? Gloria quickly takes the phone back. Yeah, thank you. See you in a minute, Daddy. Bye. (laughs) Thank you very much, Gloria. It's Thanksgiving and you made me eat crow. Michael, honey, please. Try to get along with Daddy. How can I, Gloria? The man's mind is a one-way street leading to a dead end. Just avoid arguments. Michael, you're very bright. You know the three subjects you should never discuss with him. Religion, politics, or anything else. <laughs> all right, all right. I'll try to do my best, but I'm not promising anything. Honey, I never told you about this wonderful trick that Ma worked out with Daddy. Now, when they go out and he's losing his temper, she just warns him by giving him a lovely little playful tug on his ear like that. It's a wonder he doesn't look like Dumbo. (laughs) It works, so if I see that you're gonna lose control tonight, I'll just tug on your ear and that'll mean, I love you, sweetheart, but shut up. Here they are. Okay, I'll get it. Why do I get the feeling I'm gonna lose an ear tonight? (laughs) Standing at the door is their neighbor, Irene Lorenzo, who's holding a bottle of wine. Irene! How? Indians spend Thanksgiving with pilgrims, bring fire water. Whoa, you look terrific. Honey, look what she brought us. Yeah, that's nice. Now we don't have to drink the cheap stuff I bought. (laughs) Honey, the place is really shaping up. And so are you, little mother. Oh, mm. The bunkers arrive. (gasps) Ma! Hi, Ma! Hi, Daddy. Give me that. Oh, Irene, you look beautiful. Oh, gee, don't she look nice? Yeah, when is she going to read the tea leaves? <laughs> Was that a compliment? True, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Irene brought us some nice wine. Yeah, I see that. But to this house, I could have wished you'd have brought some Christian brothers. Oh, <laughs> Well, no, no, no religious offense intended. 
Gloria comes in from the kitchen holding the turkey. Everybody then heads for the buffet table. I'm going to have a leg. Anybody else want a leg? No legs for me. You can never tell where a bird's been walked. <laughs> Gloria grabs Michael's ear uh, and tugs it. Very funny, Art Human Derek. <laughs> hey, don't forget, everybody, we got wine here. Yeah, let me pour the wine, Irene. Oh, all right, where do we go now? Here, yeah, Irene, why don't you sit over here? Come over here. Nice. Arch, uh, Archie sits in Mike's seat at the head of the table. That's my place over there. Well, take the plate over there. What's the difference? <laughs> hey, uh, Irene, I always wanted to ask you, how long do you use uh, Catalyst got to count your beads to find out how many it's got? The beads help us pray, Archie. Yeah, what do you pray for? Bigots. <laughs> He's got a little shot. Sure, it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> Here you go, honey. Let me help you down. Thank you. One, One, two, three. There we go. All right, everybody, let's see. Yeah. Yeah, wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hold. Hey, 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 hey. Hold it. Yeah, you ain't gonna eat nothing here without saying the grace first. Grace, wait just a. Gloria quickly tugs on Mike's ear while Edith does the same to Archie's. Wait for what, damn me? What are you doing? <laughs> Ain't nothing wrong with saying grace. There it ain't particularly religious. Even an atheist can say grace. It's just thanking uh, Mother Nature, whose first name happens to be Grace. <laughs> grace, Nature. <laughs> you got it, there, buddy. Archie, maybe we can skip Grace tonight, huh? Yeah, we've been skipping it all year. <laughs> you never say it at home. All right, all right, all right. Then the hell with Grace. Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute now, all right. Even so. Archie reaches into his suit pocket to grab a pair of reading glasses and a little black book. I'm going to have a little quotation from the Bible here. Oh. Daddy, uh, dinner's going to get cold. Don't worry, little girl, the Lord will keep it hot for you. Now, this is from my New Testament. You hear that new? That means that everything in here is good today. Cut that out, <laughs> My lucky Bible here in the World War, WW2. You see that dent there in the cover? That's where it was hit by a hunk of crowd shrapnel. I wouldn't be sitting here today if I hadn't been wearing that Bible in my back pocket. <laughs> that tells us where your religion is. Sum me up there. Now. This little quotation fits certain people sitting at this table tonight. Romans 14, 2.23. <laughs> and he that doubteth is damned if he eat. <laughs> wow. 
And the text for this evening's service is let's all pray that our host, Mike Stivick, goes to hell. You said that better than the Bible. Edith reaches over and tugs Archie on the ear. Do you know that hurts me? How do you like that if I do that to you a little bit? Now, here's the other quotation. Oh, oh, Daddy, come on. This is Thanksgiving dinner, not a revival meeting. Well, even so, little girl, my grandchild is laying over there inside of you with his little ears pressed to the walls, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> he is going to hear the word of God on Thanksgiving, whether that meathead likes it or not. Well, I don't like it. No, 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 no. You can pull my ear till it falls off. That's it. I've had it. This is my house. It's going to be my child, and no one is going to force his religious beliefs on his family. Oh, sit down your chair and shut up. Yeah, and that's another thing. I've been waiting five years to tell you this. Get out of my chair. Get out of your house. Good. Goodbye. 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 Stupidest thing I ever seen. A grown man hogging one chair himself. Just we don't want you forcing religion on us tonight. Listen, nobody is forcing religion on you. We're all just calmly trying to talk a little sense into this guy here. Wait, wait a second, wait a second. We? Who, who's we? All of us four God-fearers here, except in you. We don't agree that a child should be brought with no religion. Well, why don't we just take a little vote on that? I say that a parent has the right to raise his child any way he pleases. And if we want to raise our child to believe whatever he wants to believe, that's our business. Now, who's with me on that? Nobody's with you. Everybody's ashamed of you. <laughs> who's with me on that? Let me see some hands. Archie looks around the table as Gloria raises her hand, Irene raises her hand, and finally Edith, very slowly, raises her hand. Do I see a hand going up there? <laughs> I can't believe what I'm saying. Okay. Do whatever you want. Want to raise him in atheist? Go ahead. Raise him a Lutheran if you want. Raise him in Norman with seven wives. A holy ruler, a seventh-day adventurer. I don't give a damn because I'm getting the hell out of here. And I'm going out that way. I wouldn't be seen leaving the front door of this den of inquisitory. Edith follows Archie as he storms alone into the kitchen. Baby's gonna be all right because he's gonna grow up with a lot of love. Oh, no religion, huh? We don't know that. Mike just said they was gonna let him make up his own mind. And whatever he decides, he's still gonna be one of God's children. Archie, it ain't in our hands. Come here. Come here. Yeah, come to think of it. 
Why spoil our little girl's Thanksgiving dinner, not to mention my own, over this? Because yeah. we'd be taking our little grandson to the parks of a Sunday, put him on a swing. That'll be nice. Yeah. Only he ain't going on no swing. No? Where will he go? He will go to church. <laughs> no. That would be cheating on Mike and Gloria. I don't care. <laughs> We're going to raise that grandson of ours a Christian if we got to break every commandment to do it. <laughs> okay, okay. You can go back to enjoying your dinner now because here I am again. <laughs> What's the matter with you, meathead? Go ahead and eat there. Take your fork and eat. Don't worry about me. You win, buddy. You win. Archie looks up to the sky with a devious smile and winks. And there you have it, Thanksgiving with The Bunkers. If you like All in the Family, I highly recommend picking up one of the season DVD sets. Seasons 1 through 6 have already been released on DVD, and that still leaves three more. When they're going to finally release them, I do not know. You've been listening to the 2008 Thanksgiving Leftover Special of The Devil's Mischief, and as I said at the start of the hour, aside from All in the Family, I've been featuring some leftover clips from past episodes, and I'm going to finish the show now with three novelty songs. Two are clips that didn't make it into the WXYZ episode, which featured a tribute to Ima Sumac for the Y and some Frank Zappa for the letter Z. But starting off, here's Tiny Tim with his own version of Hey Jude, obviously from the Beatlemania episode. Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Hail Turkey, hail Stuffing, hail Satan. Hey Jude, hey Jude, hey Jude. Cha 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 Na 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 Cha 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 na na la 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 la
down You have found her Now go and get her Remember to let her into your heart Then you can start to make it better So let it out and let it in Hey, June begins You're waiting for someone to perform And don't you know that it's just you Hey, June, you'll do the movement you need Is on your shoulder Hey Jude, don't make it bad Take the sad song and make it better Remember to let it into your heart Then you can start to make it better
toenail son and the lady like goes oh my god your toenails are like so grody it was like really embarrassing she's like oh my god like bag those toenails I'm like sure she goes uh, I don't know if I can handle this to you I was like really embarrassed
What is naturism? The history, practices, and other aspects of living a clothing-free lifestyle. All on the Naked Satanist, hosted by Warlock Jeff Ivins. Satansplain. Satanic talk with Church of Satan Magister Bill M. Well, it's not Satan worship, it's Satanism. It's embracing the life-enriching things which have traditionally been given the devil's name. Pride, lust, earthly success, rational self-interest, atheism, humor, nonconformity, science, a passion for living, being selective about whom we love. We don't see these as shameful sins, but empowering ideals. And we also recognize the psychological power and fun of symbolism and aesthetics, so we utilize Satan as mythology's most fitting mascot for what we're about. Listen to Satansplain. Learn more at satansplain.com. Hey, have you noticed that you never seem to get laid much on Thanksgiving? (laughs) I think it's because all the coats are on the bed. Your host, Reverend Bill M., brings us the devil's mischief, carnal comedy clips, Netherworld Novelty of Numbers Brought to you by RadioFreeSatan.com Episode number 617 Welcome to the Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan. I'm your host, Bill M. And being not far from Boston means I'm not far from Plymouth, Massachusetts, which brings us to the topic of Thanksgiving. Usually every year on the Devil's Mischief, I present the annual Thanksgiving Leftovers special, and this is when I play some of the various clips that I've trimmed away of other episodes from the past year. Usually I did that because I had an episode where it was already running long, so I wanted to cut some of it out, or I already had too many tracks from the same comedian, or I had two similar-sounding recordings from the same comedian and had to choose one over the other, or I had a clip that just didn't really fit, you know, flow really well with the other things, or some other reason. Now, those clips would make their way to the Thanksgiving Leftover special. This year, though, 2018, I decided to do something else. I've decided to just stick to the theme of Thanksgiving itself. So, instead of the annual Thanksgiving Leftover special, I mean, I've got enough clips to go do that. Um, Instead of that, I'm going to do an old-time radio special. I have two old-time radio broadcasts from the Abbott and Costello show. They did a few Thanksgiving specials themselves, so I have one from 1943 and another one from 1944. Now, I know that some of you listeners of The Devil's Mischief are not from the U.S., and sometimes you're hearing about some of these comedians on the show for the first time in your life. So for those who don't know, the comedy duo of Abbott and Costello, not to be confused with Laurel and Hardy, was made up of Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. They had hugely popular work in radio and later on in film and television comedy and ended up being one of the most popular comedy acts of the 1940s and early 1950s, number one box office stars in 1942. And a lot of famous comedy duos worked by having one person doing a lot of the goofy antics and joke telling while the other person would act serious or angry. And it's that contrast of the two that really brought out the comedy. So Abbott was the straight man, as they call that role, while the childish hilarities mostly came from Costello. 
When Abbott died in 1974, Groucho Marx said that Abbott was, quote, the greatest straight man ever. Now, the Abbott and Costello show, like a lot of other radio shows at the time, was a mix of comedy and some musical performance interludes. You know, kind of goes back to vaudeville, but having a variety show. Costello would yell one of his catchphrases like, Hey, Abbott, or calling it, you know, calling out his partner's name, or I've been a bad boy. And I'm sure you'll hear some of those in these episodes. And uh, people who have listened to The Devil's Mischief know that I like to take comedy from any generation, really. I think it's important to know the roots of the comedy that we hear today. To hear just how varied comedy can be, how timeless certain pieces can be. And although the older stuff like this may be considered safe comedy or family-friendly comedy, you know, rated G comedy, I don't know about that in this day and age, because... In these clips, you know, in these old radio shows, you'll hear some politically incorrect stuff. You'll hear praise for our troops in the military, too. You know, praise for the, uh, the people fighting the Nazis during World War II. You'll hear ads for cigarettes, because the show's sponsor was Camel Cigarettes. So, even though there aren't any swear words, I just find it interesting that this sort of stuff, if anything, may be considered more shocking than your usual run of uh, dick jokes you might see modern comedians doing. Just something to think about. In any case, we like doing all sorts of comedy here on The Devil's Mischief. Visit the show's website, devilsmischief.com. You can also email me, bill at devilsmischief.com is the email address. Actually, there's been some conflicting information of when these came out. Some sources say one of these came out in 43, another says 44, so I think they are from 44 and 48. And at the end of the show... I have a special musical dedication to somebody else. But let's first jump into some Abbott and Costello from cigarette ads, musical interludes, and all. The Abbott and Costello program brought to you by Camel, the cigarette that's first in the service according to actual sales records. See if your throat and your taste don't make Camel a first with you, too. Find out for yourself. Listen to the great rhythms of Freddie Rich and his orchestra, the swingy singing of Connie Haynes. And this being Thanksgiving Day, we recall this touching scene. As the good ship Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock, the captain shouted to the Indian chief, Costello, Costello, do you realize it's 7 o'clock? Where have you been? Oh, Abbott, I just came from your house. And have I got news for you? What is it? Your cat just had chicken. My cat had chicken. <laughs> yep, my cat had chicken. Yep, you mean kittens. Cats <laughs> don't have chicken. Uh, what was that you brought home in a paper bag last night? Uh, chickens. Well, your cat just had them. I... <laughs> you mean that cat ate my chickens? <laughs> he swallowed the chickens, bag and all. Why, why didn't you take them away from him? Well, you know me, Abbott. I ain't the type that would let the bag out of the cat. Oh, I think well, I'm wrong, huh? Well, I've got plenty of other food around the house. Well, by the way, Abbott... What? Seeing that this is Thanksgiving Day... Yes? I, I hate to think of you eating alone. What do you mean? What do you say to having Thanksgiving dinner with me? Well, why, that's uh, mighty fine of you, Costello. Good. Uh, at what time? Eight o'clock, at your house. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. You 
get... No, no, you'll get no turkey at my house. Then how about a little duck? Uh, a duck? Yeah, that's a chicken with snowshoes on. Hey, look. <laughs> I'm sorry, Costello. You can't come to my house for Thanksgiving. I'm having a dinner for the snooty set. Oh, the snooty set. You heard me. No, I'm not good enough to eat with pig. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> Will you listen to me, please? I'm listening. Tonight I'm entertaining a few of the 400. A few of the 400? Yes. That's 800 all together. No, 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 no. Just the 400. That's what I said. That's what I said. That's your line. Yes. Thank you. Well? Well, just because they weigh a little more than me, that don't make them any better than I am. No, no, no. Talk, talk sense, please. I, I couldn't have you at my house. This is going to be a very classy affair. Why, I have a, I have a little silver tray to brush the crumbs on. Crumbs? Mm-hmm. Certainly, don't you have crumbs at your table? Sure, Rabbit. You're welcome any time. No, 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 no. There you go. You have absolutely no finesse. No what? I said you have no finesse. What would I do with a finesse? In California, you don't need a fernet. <laughs> if, if it gets cold, we turn on the gas heater. All right, Costello. I didn't say... Or the radiator. Right, I didn't say... He's getting like boy, yeah. All right, look, look, please. I... All right, all right. I didn't say furnace in the first place. I said fernet. You don't know what you're saying. All right, you're getting me all mixed up here. Look, I'm trying to tell you. Listen to me, please. Your table manners are terrible. The last time you had dinner at my house, you did nothing but reach across the table and grab for the food. Well, what was wrong with that? What was wrong with that? <laughs> You've got a tongue, haven't you? Yeah, but I can reach further with my arm. <laughs> there you go again, Costello, you see? You know nothing at all about the proper way to eat. You have no etiquette. I got no what? You, you have no etiquette. Etiquette? Yes, you heard me. You don't even know how to say the word. Etiquette. Yeah. You dope. What do you, you mean? You mean antiquity. And uh, now, <laughs> it's... It's etiquette. Well, etiquette and antiquity, it's the same All thing right, anyway. All right, so what? Well, I'll go out and I'll buy one of them books on etiquette by Emily Piller. Emily Piller? Yeah. That's, uh, that's Emily Post. Okay, I'll read the both of them. Both of them? I'll go from Piller to Post. <laughs> well, you should read that book, Costello. Hmm. It will tell you a lot of things. For instance, which is uh, proper to use when eating peas, a fork or a spoon? I, I don't use either one. Well, how do you eat your peas? Oh, I just slide my lower lip under the plate and bank the peas off the mashed potatoes. <laughs> Costello. Sometimes the mashed potatoes cause in my ears. Yes, I can imagine. <laughs> Sloppy, huh? Yeah, yeah. Costello, you haven't got the brains of a two-year-old child. Oh, I wouldn't say that. Why not? Look at the difference in our ages. <laughs> the way you act, I could never have you at my table. Look, Abbott, if you know so much about manners, just answer me this one thing. What is it? Which hand do you stir your coffee with? I stir my coffee with my right hand. That's funny. Most people use a spoon. <laughs> Now, that settles it, Costello. Yeah, no, no, yeah, that settles everything. I was just about to break down and invite you for dinner. But now you had to be a smart aleck, didn't wait, you? Wait a minute, Abbott. Yeah, you did. Wait a minute. Now. You're my old pal. I can't help it. You can't do this to me. Well, I did. You've got to invite me to dinner on Thanksgiving. I ain't got no place to go. Well, I'm sorry. You can't let your old friend starve. Ah. Look at me, Abbott. Yeah. I only weigh 90 pounds now. And, uh, 90 pounds? Why, you're 56 inches around the waist. Yeah, but I'm hollow. I, all right, look. <laughs> ah, look, all right, all right. You can come to dinner, Costello. But you'll have to make yourself useful. Now, get there early and wait on the table. Well, why should I wait on a table? Why can't I wait in Apollo with the rest of the people? <laughs> no, no, you dummy. I mean, I want I you... I want to sit on your table Listen, waiting. I mean, I want you to help with the serving. Now, the first, uh, the first course will be orders. Of course, you know what orders are. Yeah, that's French for leftovers. No, no. <laughs> Costello, orders are snacks. Now, you take care of the ladies first. It's, uh, it's up to you to see that each lady gets a snack. Are the husbands going to be there? Uh, certainly. Then I ain't going to do it. What? Uh, do what? I ain't going to go around snacking the ladies. <laughs> Their husbands are liable to come around and snack me. Uh, uh, on second thought, you'd better stay out in the kitchen and help with the oyster dressing. Why? 
Abbott. What's the matter? What you said. Well, what, what, what's wrong? You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Talking that way to a boy of my age. What do you mean? I'm just at the age of picking things up like well, that. Well, what's too. wrong? Why, it's a good thing my mother isn't here. Oh, the shame of it all. What are you talking about? How dare you ask me to help with the oyster dressing? What do you mean? Now, look, Abbott. I didn't mind when you said I had to wait for you on a table. And I was only mildly surprised when you asked me to snack all the ladies, especially in front of their husbands. But when you have the nerve to ask me to go out in the kitchen and dress a bunch of naked oysters, you not only humilify me, but you have impugned on my good name. Tomorrow on the back cover of Life magazine, you'll see a very stirring set of pictures under the title, Pair of Aces Back to Back. A Navy dauntless dive bomber attacking a Japanese carrier. Notice, too, the pair of flyers, the pair of aces in the lower left-hand corner. And read the words they're saying. I quote, Camel's our cigarette. Suits the throat and the taste to a T. Unquote. C-A-M-E-L-S. Camels, they're aces with the aces. Could be with you, too. <laughs> Here is Freddie Rich with Java Junction. in the kitchen. You're disturbing the guests. Whatever. I always sing when I'm making sour milk biscuits. Sour milk biscuits? Sure. We haven't got any sour milk. Well, you will have when I get through singing. And Mammy's little baby loves shutting shutting All right. Nelson Eddie better save his money. All right, look. <laughs> cut, the, cut that out. Look, what are you doing there? What's all that stuff you're putting in? How to do it? What did she say? First, I got to put in two tubs of butter. Two tubs of butter? Sure. It says right here in the cookbook. Butter. Two TBS tubs. Uh, <laughs> that's tablespoon. I threw them in two. You threw... Uh, what else did you put in there? I put in some flour, salt, yeah. bacon powder, and three gallops of molasses. Three gallops? What are gallops? You know, Abbott. When you pour the molasses out of the jug, it goes gallop, gallop, gallop. <laughs> I, I put in three of those. Look, Costello, I, I don't want you to do any cooking. I've got a chef coming here to take care of that. I, I thought you'd be out here singeing the feathers off the goose. Doing what? 
Singeing, singeing. Don't you know how to singe? Sure, I know how to singe. I was singeing when you came in. A man is made up and he doesn't stop. No, 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 no. I'm a good singer. Yeah, no, 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 no. Singeing gets the down off the goose. Didn't you ever get down off a goose? Oh. Oh. Did you read that right? Yeah. Well, didn't you? Did I ever what? Didn't you ever get down off a goose? No, I got down off a horse. No, no. no, no, no. I never rode a goose. No. Hey, that was Oh, thank goodness. Here comes the chef. I am sugar and the cooking guy, my dandy. Hitchell, don't tell me that you're the cook. Mm, yeah, could be, yeah. You know something over in Paris? I am known as the famous French chef, Pierre René. You're the great René? That I am, yes. Then what are you doing in California? Oh, I always come here in the René season. <laughs> the René season? Yes. <laughs> this guy's a washout. <laughs> Never mind that, Costello. Look. We've got to get my Thanksgiving dinner cooked, please. Yes. Kitzel, you'll find all the utensils in that big cupboard over there. Oh, pish pash, utensils, utensils. Who needs your utensils? I brought along my own pot. That's the first pot I ever saw with a belt around. Costello, <laughs> please keep out of this. Kitzel, do you know uh, anything about cooking game? Do I know how to cook game? Why, I'm cooking the finest pinochle you ever tasted. You uh, cook pinochle? Sure, pinochle and sauerkraut. Oh. <laughs> Look, Kissel, I don't want to get personal, but why don't you pull in your tongue? Nobody ordered cold cuts. Ooh. Look, never mind that, Costello. Kissel, get busy, please, and get the dinner ready. No, no, no. Just a second, just a second, my little man. Don't get excited. First, I got to open my little bag and get out my chisels and saws. What chisels and saws? Cream chisels and cranberry sauce. <laughs> You know, Kitzel, it's too bad you didn't bring your monkey wrench. Well, for goodness sake, what would I be doing with a monkey wrench? Well, you could tighten the nuts on a fruitcake. Now, <laughs> <laughs> Costello, please. Uh, will you get busy and help, Kitzel? I'm going into the living room and see if any of my guests have arrived yet. Sebastian! Sebastian! Shut off that radio! Shut it off! My Sebastian. Well, I just come over to help you out, Uncle Bud, and I thought the guests would like some nice romantic music. Romantic music? Mm -hmm. Oh, that tiger isn't romantic music. It is to another tiger. All right. <laughs> now, look, Sebastian, if you're going to hang around here, you'll have to behave yourself. Now, this is going to be a very formal Thanksgiving dinner. The men will all wear tails. Tails? Who's coming? Mickey Mouse? Now, will you please listen, Sebastian? It will be your job to usher the people into the dining room. I will sit at the head of the table. Ken Niles will sit on my right hand, and Connie Haynes will sit on my left hand. Ken Niles is going to sit on your right hand? That's right. And Connie Haynes will sit on your left hand? That's right. How are you going to eat with your feet? No, no, no. <laughs> Look, when you get all the people seated, you go to the kitchen. Then when I ring this little dinner bell, your brother will hand me the carving knife, and you give me the bird. In front of everybody? <laughs> <laughs> That'll do, Sebastian. Now, go out in the kitchen and uh, make some ice water. And I do hope you can make ice water. Yeah, sure. You just peel an onion. An onion? Yeah, that'll make your eyes water. <laughs> Sebastian, ice water is frozen water. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Then what is frozen ink? I stink. Uh, uh, You'll get no argument out of me, brother. Ah, uh, what? <laughs> Thank you.
Sonny Haynes in a current revival of a great song, The Sunny Side of the Street. Grab your coat and get your hat. Leave your worry on the doorstep. Just direct your feet to the sunny side of the street. Can't you hear a bit of pain? And that happy tune is yourself. Life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street. I used to walk in the shade with those blues on red. But I'm not afraid. This rubber crossed over. If I never have a thing, I'll be rich as Rockefeller. So dust at my feet on the sunny side of the street. in the papers how people are smoking so much more and how cigarettes are being shipped to our fighting men overseas in huge quantities. And if your dealer occasionally should say, sorry, sir, we're out of camels today, don't let that stop you from asking for camels the very next time you're buying cigarettes. Remember that camels' rich, full flavor and kind, cool mildness make camels worth asking for again and again. Because war or peace, camel is still camel. And your T-Zone, that's T for taste and T for throat, will confirm that statement. C-A-M-E-L-S. Camels, now as always, the cigarette of costlier tobaccos. And now, ladies and gentlemen, we take you to the home of Bud Abbott, where a formal Thanksgiving dinner is about to be served. Costello has been working in the kitchen all day like a dog, but he is now ready to face the guest. Let us look in on this dog face. <laughs> Costello, Costello, the guests are arriving. Open the door and announce them as they come in. Announcing Mr. and Mrs. Ed Blank, Mr. and Mrs. Phil Klesner. Announcing Lord Pipsqueak, Knight of the Garter, Lord Beaverport, Knight of the Bath, and Hedy Lamar. Uh, Hedy Lamar isn't here. I was thinking of another night. <laughs> Young man, how dare you leave me standing here? Kindly take my card and announce me. Okay. Hillside, 2183. Ask for Hazel. <laughs> if a man answers, hang up. Oh. Wrong card! Wrong card! That isn't my card. I'm sorry, I got that mixed up with one of my own. Uh, Costello, watch your manners. Okay. This is Lady uh, Jennifer uh, Cookie Cutter. <laughs> That's right, old boy. My home, you know, is at Glendinning on the Tyne. Glendinning on the Tyne? Then you must know my great-aunt Harriet. The old girl is bowling, you know. Oh, 
from clinking on the sign? No, from hitchhiking on oil trucks. <laughs> All right, that's enough, Costello. Take uh, Lady Jennifer's coat and I'll escort her to the table. Oh, by all means, the table. Oh, I'm so hungry I could eat a horse. Yeah, Costello! Costello, get that horse out of here. Get out of here. Get, get out, out, of here. out of here. Get out of here. And uh, please, please, bring Lady Jennifer a cocktail. Yes. Uh, make it a martini uh, with a black olive. You drink martinis with a black olive? Yes, I'm in mourning for my husband. <laughs> If I was you, Lady Jennifer, I would lay off those martinis. They're pretty hot. Costello, what makes you think they're hot? Because I just poured one. When I dropped the olive in, the olive stuck out its pimento. Boy, but wee, Mr. Rabbit, I have a little uh, Thanksgiving present for you. A nice, fat Belgian hair. I raised them, you know. Oh, thank you, Lady Jennifer. Costello, take Lady Jennifer's hair. Take her what? Take her hair and put it in the icebox. Okay, Abbott. Costello! Now look what you've done. Speak to Lady Jennifer. Hello, Baldy. <laughs> oh! I've never been so insulted in all my life. Come, Lady Jennifer. I'll show you under the table. Uh, I'll show you. Uh... Get the line right, not under that table. No, no, I'm sorry, Mrs. Jennifer. I'll show you to the table. Very well. You may take my arm. Does that come off, too? Yeah. <laughs> Costello, get busy and serve the dinner. And remember, I don't want to see your thumb in the soup. Okay. Lord okay. Beaverbrook. Uh, Board, I pardon me, Mr. Beaverbrook. It's quite all right. It's quite all right, please. Uh, what part of the turkey would you like? Well, I'm a flyer. I'll take the wing. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Freddie Rich. Well, uh, I'm a musician. I'll take the drumstick. And Sebastian, what part of the turkey would you like? Well, you can skip me. I'm a turn, kid. <laughs> I hope somebody will remember me. I like the neck. I like the neck, too, Connie. I'll meet you out on the front porch. Costello, <laughs> keep quiet and save the soup. And remember, I don't want to see your thumb in it. Okay, I'll fix that. Oh! Somebody turn off the light! Turn on the light, somebody! There, the lights are on. Oh! What's the trouble, Lady Jennifer? Oh, my necklace is gone! Somebody stole my pearl necklace! Quick, Costello, call the police! Police! Wait, no, 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 no! No, no, use the French phone. I don't speak French. Oh, here. Please, here, I'll call him. Operator, give me the police. Hurry up. Hello, police department. This is Bud Abbott's home. There's been a robbery here. Come over at once. Well, here we are. We're from headquarters. What took you so long? <laughs> I so long. said, what took you so long? So long? What, are you leaving already? <laughs> Now, shut up, you. You look suspicious. Stick up your hands and reach for the ceiling. Okay, but I know I won't make it. I have... <laughs> Officer, there's been a robbery here. The lights went out and somebody stole Lady Jennifer's pearl necklace. <laughs> a stolen necklace, eh? Somebody will get the jug for this. <laughs> Sounds like you've had it already. <laughs> come on, come on. Line up against the wall and you too, fat boy. What's your name? Honest Luke Costello. Costello, eh? Ain't you got a relative uh, doing time at Alcatraz? Yes, sir. That's my uncle, Stebbins. They put him in for something he didn't do. For something he didn't do? Yeah, he didn't wipe off his fingerprints when he robbed the bank. 
Now get in line there. I'll take this gentleman first. Uh, what's your name? Uh, Lord Beaverford. Uh, where were you sitting when the necklace was stolen? Well, I... You lie! Ouch! How long have you known Lady Jennifer? Well, I... You lie! Ouch! Get rid of him fast, don't he? <laughs> All right, Sergeant. Drag this man out of here. Now, Costello, you're next. I think there are others ahead of me. <laughs> I'm ready to take you now. But I don't want to be selfish. Women and children first. <laughs> Sit down there in the chair. Just a minute. Who are you shoving? Who are you shoving? I'm shoving you, and what about it? I just wanted to be sure. <laughs> now, where was you when the lights went out? I was... You lied! I expected it. What's the matter? Look what he did. Did you hurt your head? No, but he broke my shoelaces. <laughs> Shut up, you. Now I'm going to question the little boy here. Oh, no. Not that. You can't question my little brother, Sebastian. And why not? There's only one head between us. I'm playing both parts. Oh, just a moment. Just a moment, officer. There's been a horrible mistake. My pearls went stolen to fall. They slipped off my neck into my tapioca. Well, leave them there. You look better wearing ta ta tapioca. What happened to Costello? But wait, wait a minute. There's one thing I can't understand, Costello. Who turned out the lights when you were serving dinner? I turned them out, Uncle Bud. Sebastian, why did you turn the lights off? Because you said you didn't want to see Louis thumb in the soup. Sebastian, do you realize what you did? You almost got me arrested, your brother. They might have thrown me in jail. Then I would have to walk around with the pallor of the prison on my noble brow. Why did you do such things to your loving brother, Sebastian? Oh, I'm a bad boy! Abbott and Costello will be back in a moment. Thanks to the Yanks of the Week, tonight we salute Lieutenant Thomas A. McKenzie of Auburn, Kentucky. Fighting off unconsciousness from flak wounds in his chest, this bombardier hero completed his bomb run without even letting his own crewmates know he was wounded. In your honor, Lieutenant McKenzie, the makers of camels are sending to our fighters overseas 400,000 camel cigarettes. Each of the three Camel Radio Shows honors the Yank of the Week by sending free 400,000 Camel cigarettes overseas, a total of more than a million camels sent free each week. In this country, the Camel caravans traveling from camp to camp have thanked audiences of more than 4 million Yanks with free shows and free camels. Camel broadcasts go out to the United States three times a week, are rebroadcast to our men overseas and to South America. Listen tomorrow to Jimmy Durante and Gary Moore, Monday to Bob Hawk in Thanks to the Yanks. And next Thursday to Abbott and Costello. And now here are Bud Abbott and Luke Costello with a final word. Well, Costello, now that we've done our show, let's get home and have our turkey, huh? I think it's a good idea because I'm just about ready for it now. Uh, did you make the stuffing? Yeah, I did. I made grand stuffing. You did, huh? Yeah, I ground up a lot of breadcrumbs, and then I put in some garlic. Oh, that's And then swell. I put in a little onions, and I yeah. put in some more garlic, then a whole lot of onions. Yeah. Then a whole lot of garlic, then a whole lot of more onions. Yeah. Then a whole lot of garlic, and a whole lot of more onions. Wait a minute. And then a, wait a little wait, more wait, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you taste it? Taste it? I couldn't even get near it. Oh. <laughs> Good night, folks. Night. Good night, everybody.
next week for another great Abbott and Costello show. And remember, try camels on your throat and your taste. See for yourself how camels' mildness, coolness, and flavor click with you. This is Reverend Gene, the host of Voxatane, exclusively on Radio Free Satan. Join me every week as we indulge in the classical side of music spanning the past 1,000 years. Voxatani has already featured over 700 composers covering medieval, baroque, classical, romantic, and contemporary music, including chant, choral, opera, keyboard, and orchestral music, with composers ranging from Gluck to Gilmore, Bach to Bellevance, Talis to Taverner, and Paganini to Pert. Get your weekly recommended dose of classical music right here on Voxatani, only on Radio Free Satan, with me, Reverend Jean. You are listening to one of many fine shows from RadioFreeSatan.com. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the show and others using iTunes, Stitcher, and other means as well. Subscribe today and get every new episode of your favorite Radio Free Satan shows. Download it automatically to your PC or mobile device. For more information, visit the subscribe area of the show's page on RadioFreeSatan.com. Okay, Wikipedia search, hardcore punk genres. What do we have? Christian hardcore? No, thank you. Mathcore? What the? Nintendo core? Really? Ah, forget it. I'm just going to play stuff I like. This is Citizen Matt, your host for Furious Sound. Join me as I explore 40-plus years of angst-ridden punk rock from, well, most of the subgenres, right here on Radio Free Satan. Bill M. here, celebrating Thanksgiving, that wonderful time of gluttony and sloth, two of my favorite sins personally, celebrating with Abbott and Costello. Because you are listening to The Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan, just one of many shows available on RadioFreeSatan.com. Now, come to think of it, I guess Abbott and Costello would better represent the sins of... wrath and gluttony. In any case, you are listening to The Devil's Mischief on Radio Free Satan, just one of many shows available on RadioFreeSatan.com. I finally got around to listening to some of the Halloween episodes I missed during the week of Halloween. In fact, Lambert's Basement made a return. Lambert's Basement is ready for Satan's amazing show of big band and swing. Warlock David Ingram came back to do a one-off special for Halloween. He's not back regularly, but he says he may come back full-time one of these days. In the meantime, you can hear him on another Radio Free Satan show, Metal Breakfast Radio, a show of metal scrutiny where the ale flows and the rubbish piles high. Visit metalbreakfastradio.com for details. And some of the other Halloween stuff I was listening to, I was listening to Clint Mephisto's Halloween special. Lots of great Halloween novelty I've never heard myself on Clint Mephisto's Shit Kickin' Roadshow. Also here on Radio Free Satan. And although not a Halloween episode, I was listening to the last few episodes of The Metro. I love that music. DJ Warlock Jeff Ivins was digging into some of the deeper tracks on those episodes, which I was especially happy to hear. The Metro on Radio Free Satan. Speaking of American holidays, there was another American holiday that happened in between Halloween and now. 
and that it was Veterans Day. For Veterans Day, I personally uploaded a new clip to YouTube giving a little history about songs about Satan from the time of World War I. Yes, there was quite a number of them. Pretty fun, too. I even perform one myself, and I perform a lot in my solo act, actually. And that clip I made is on my YouTube channel, which you can find linked from my official website, the site about me personally, I'm just a bill.com. Also the same channel where you find all the uh, Satan Bear holiday clips, which reminds me I'm going to have to make a new one of those next month. Let's get back to the show. Let's continue with another Thanksgiving episode of the Abbott and Costello Show. This first aired November 21st, 1944. And after this, at the end of the show, I do have one short little musical tribute I'd like to finish with to somebody I knew who passed away this season. But for now, here is Abbott and Costello. Hey, Abbott, what time is it? It's time for the Abbott and Costello Show. We're on the air for ABC here in Hollywood. Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go with the Abbott and Costello Show. Yes, it's the Abbott and Costello Show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood for your listening and laughing pleasure. Chuckles with a carload and music by Matty Malney. So hold on to your chairs, folks, for here they are, Bud Abbott and Lou Costello. What, what, what's up? <laughs> what, what's up? What's up tonight? A big apartment. I say, what's up tonight? Well, I want to tell you, I took my aunt Meg to the football game at the Coliseum this afternoon. Yes. At the end of the first quarter, a drunk came in and yelled, Whose game? Aunt May jumped up and says, I am. <laughs> Your Aunt May doesn't know much about football, does she? Oh, she thinks the rooting section is the front end of a pig. I... <laughs> She does. She does. Abbott. What? Which end is? Right. <laughs> you don't know much about football yourself, do you? Oh, are you kidding? You should have seen me in college, Abbott. I was a triple threat man. I could run, kick, and pass. Boy, I could really throw it in those days. Uh, you're, not do- you're not doing so bad tonight, either. <laughs> One time I made 30 touchdowns in the last 10 seconds of the game. Wait a minute, wait a minute. How could you make 30 touchdowns in 10 seconds? I had to. My mother had a bet on the game. <laughs> you know, the quarterback would drop back and then the left guard tackle and left them would open up a hole and you, a hole big enough you could drive a truck through. And what did you do? I drove the truck. <laughs> Once I caught a kickoff and started down the field, there were only 21 men between me and the goalpost. 21 men? Yes, even my teammates hated me. I... <laughs> That's enough, Costello. I don't think you know the first thing about football. Tell me, uh, what is an unbalanced line? An unbalanced line? Yes. Sydney Greenstreet's belt. I... <laughs> Furthermore, I don't think you're even at a football game this afternoon. Oh, yes, I was. Uh... During the half. Th- oh, yes, I was. During the halftime, a section of the bleachers where all the coeds were sitting collapsed, and I dashed over. Uh, did you render first aid? Yes, sir. I picked up a cute little blonde and started carrying her out when a fellow says, Here! Give her to me. And I said, nothing to him, brother. There's plenty more back there. Go get your own. Oh, get him out of here. Well, there's a sample of the high-grade nonsense you'll be hearing for the next half hour. But before we get back to it, listen to this. 
Beautiful suit you wear tonight. I like it myself. You look like a Rhapsody in Brown. All right, never mind that. <laughs> uh, look, where have you been all day, Lou? Huh? Where have you been all day? Well, I'll tell you, I was helping my Aunt May. She refurnished a whole house for Thanksgiving. Uh, what kind of furniture did she get? Chairs, tables, and beds. No, 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 no. I mean, <laughs> what period is the furniture? Louis the Fourteenth, uh, <laughs> colonial, or late French uh, provincial? It's early army surplus. Uh, what? <laughs> Does Uncle Mike like the furniture? Yes, especially the four-poster bed. Last night he kicked her over the end of the he kicked her right over the end of the four-poster bed. Why in the world did he do a thing like that? He dreamed he was playing for Notre Dame and his team needed the extra point. <laughs> your, your Uncle Mike is just like you. You're both dopes. Yeah. My Uncle Mike is no dope, Abbott. He happens to be a very clever inventor. He just invented a new kind of motorcycle, and it's so fast. Get this. This motorcycle is so fast that you can get on it in, in Los Angeles at midnight and be in Cucamonga at 2 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> is that so? Yeah, but there's only one thing wrong with it. What's that? Who wants to be in Cucamonga at 2 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> well, that just proves, proves what I've always said. Your Uncle Mike is a shiftless loafer. He gambles away every cent that he gets. Oh, no, he reformed that, but he's never going to shoot dice or play cards again. Ah, he said that before. I know, but this time a judge said it. I... <laughs> Does Uncle Mike uh, still drink as much as ever, Lou? Nah, now he quits when he's had enough. How can he tell when he's had enough? Well, he sits across the table from Aunt May, and he sits there with a big button and he starts drinking. The minute Aunt May starts looking good to him, he knows he's had enough. <laughs> Does your Uncle Mike and Aunt May fight as much as they used to? No, but they had an argument yesterday. She clouded him in the puss and then kicked him in the stomach. K kicked him in the stomach? Yeah, but that was his fault. He turned around. <laughs> <laughs> Does your Uncle Mike still work for the orange growers, Lou? Oh, yes, yes. A very important man in the orange business, Abbott. He's the only guy that can tell a California orange from a Florida orange. How does he do it? Well, he cuts an orange in half, holds it over a map of the United States, and squeezes it. If it's a California orange, it squirts all over Florida. <laughs> Look, Lou. Yes. Did you have a good Thanksgiving dinner? Well, I'll tell you as soon as I get to. Yes, I did. I found it. Yes. <laughs> but we didn't have any turkey. You didn't have a turkey? Why not? By the time I got to the butchers, all the finance companies were closed. <laughs> you mean to tell me that the price of turkeys is that high? 
Oh, the price is high. Yeah. There was one woman in a butcher shop that didn't buy anything, and that weighed two pounds. <laughs> Look, never mind that. Did you buy a turkey? I handed the butcher two bucks and says, what kind of turkey can I buy for that? And he handed me an egg. An egg? Yeah, an egg. Hey, so go sit on that and hatch out your own turkey. <laughs> what do you think I got? I got a duck. A duck? <laughs> Well, you please talk sense. Well, where did you eat your Thanksgiving dinner? Over at the YWCA. The YWCA? Why, men aren't allowed in there. I know, but I love to go there. It takes so many of them to throw you out. <laughs> you wanted to have Thanksgiving dinner with a girl. Why didn't you have a... Why didn't you make a date with my wife? My wife's twin sister, Ella. Abbott, when I sit down at the table for Thanksgiving, I want to see a turkey, not an old crow. I... <laughs> <laughs> Ella's a lovely girl. Now, if you want to m make a hit with her, why, why don't you buy her a box of candy? You know, she has a sweet tooth. I know, I've seen it. <laughs> Too bad she hasn't got some more to go with it. Right. <laughs> uh, gentlemen, I've got a few turkeys left over from the Thanksgiving rush. Would you like to buy one? What kind of turkeys have you got? I've got Texas turkeys and Vermont turkeys. How do you tell them what? The Vermont turkeys are still wearing Hoover buttons. <laughs> I don't think we'd be interested. Turkeys are too high this year. Well, then, how about buying a raffle ticket on a great big turkey for a quarter? I'll take two of them. Here's a half a buck. Thanks. Here's your tickets for the biggest turkey in town. Wait, just a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. These aren't turkeys for, uh, tickets for a turkey. These tickets are for the Abbott and Costello radio show. Do you know of a bigger turkey? He can't get away with that, Abbott. I'll break every bone in his body. Where did he go? Right through that door. He did, huh? Yeah. Open up that door. Well, the door is open. What I, are you going to do I, about I, it? What I, do you want? I just wanted to say goodbye. <laughs> Costello, it's a shame. Thanksgiving Day is nearly over, and, and you didn't even get a turkey. Well, someday I'll be rich. Someday yeah. I'll have plenty of money. And when I do, I'll get a seat on a Chicago stockyard. Yeah. <laughs> You mean stock exchange? I mean stockyard. When all that meat comes in, I want to be there. I said, I'm afraid you'll never have any money. You don't know the value of a dollar. How can I? Every time I learn the value of a dollar, some guy in Washington changes it. Well, happy Thanksgiving, boys. Look, Costello, it's our secretary, Viola Vaughn. Viola, you look beautiful. How about you and me stepping out after the show? Oh, tonight? Gee, mm. I'll be tied up at home tonight. Good. Maybe you'll be more fun that way. I'll come over and I'll tie you. <laughs> uh, Viola, you must be very busy. Every time Costello asks you for a date, you're busy. Well, I am busy. Mondays, I go to gym class. Tuesdays, I play golf. Wednesdays, I go horseback riding and... When I have nothing on, I go swimming. You couldn't pick a better time for it. <laughs> on second thought, this is Thanksgiving, and I'm kind of hungry for a date. Then why not go out with me? Abbott, she says she's hungry. She's not starving. I... <laughs> now, suppose I did invite you over to my house tonight, Costello. What would you do? Oh, well, we'd play games. We'd play like... Hide-and-seek, maybe post office. Oh, right. that's a kid's game. Not the way I play it. All right, now, wait a minute. <laughs> well, how do you play hide-and-seek? Well, first you turn up the ten, 
then run and hide in the closet. And then I count up to ten and run and I hide in the closet. It's a lot of fun. Well, wait a minute. Where, where, what, what, what? Where, where does the fun come in? We both run to the same closet. <laughs> I... Nah, Costello, I don't think I'll invite you over. You're too fickle. What do you mean? Well, last week after the rehearsal, you were taking a nap and I sneaked in and you were dreaming and saying, no, Rita, no, Rita, I won't kiss you. No, no, no. So what? My name is not Rita. What are you kicking about? I said no, didn't I? Ah, Viola was right. You are fickle. You're always flirting with girls. Last night, I saw you driving down Hollywood Boulevard and you winked at a girl. I only winked because something got in my eye. And she got in your car, too. Well, I'm surprised at you two arguing over girls. Yeah, right, Viola. They aren't worth it. Women are responsible for a lot of stupid things. Shame on you, Abbott, bringing your mother into this conversation. (laughs) You idiot. Why don't you find yourself a girl and get married? Viola, you're the kind of a girl I'd love to be married to. Why do you want to marry me? Being married to you would be wonderful. We could have ten children. Ten children? Yes, and if we like them the second year, we could have ten more. (laughs) Viola would be silly to marry you. All you do is chase girls. Mr. Abbott is right, Costello. I understand that you've kissed every blonde in Hollywood. I have not. Well, all right. Name one blonde in Hollywood you haven't kissed. I'll name two. (laughs) Alan Ladd and Van Johnson. (laughs) You idiot. Alan Ladd and Van Johnson wouldn't kiss you. They wouldn't? No, they wouldn't. Okay, I'll scratch their names out of my book. See, Viola, I was right. Costello's not the guy for you. He's, he has no brains, he has no looks, and he has no money. I'm beginning to think you're right. Just a minute. Now listen here, Rabbit. If you don't stop crabbing me with girls, I'm going to hide your corkscrew. No! 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 Ah, the plot thickens. Before it gets too thick, let's interrupt it for another reminder on a serious subject. Ladies and gentlemen, here's our new singer, Hal Winters. Let's give Hal a nice big hand. Nice big hand for Hal Winters. Thanks a million, a million thanks to you for everything. 
everything that love could bring you brought me each tender love word you happen to say is hidden away in memory's bouquet thanks a million for I remember too the tenderness that your caresses taught me you made a million dreams come true and so I'm saying thanks a million to you that your caresses taught me you made a million dreams come true and so I'm saying thanks a million to Costello. Costello, come over here. What are you doing out there in the hall? Yeah, but the employees of the network just raffled off a turkey. And my number was 11896432 And? And? And the fella standing right next to me, he had number 11896432651. So he said to me, I'll trade you my number 11896432651 for your number... One one eight nine six four three six five nine two. So, so I traded him my number one one eight nine six four three two six five nine one for his number one one three nine six four three two six five nine two. Well, who won the turkey? One of the vice presidents with ticket number three. But I don't care, Rabbit. I don't like turkeys anyway. If all the turkeys in the world were laid end to end, that's the part I would get. <laughs> well, you know, Lou, my wife is crazy about turkey. Today, when she sat down at the table, she had a turkey neck. Why don't she wear a muffler? Nobody would notice it. <laughs> Nonsense. What's that roll of paper under your arm? <laughs> that's a Thanksgiving play we're going to do for the people tonight. And I wrote it myself. Oh, What's the name of your play? I call it The Brave Little Band of Pilgrims Who Landed on Honest John's Rock <laughs> Yeah, dummy, that's Plymouth Rock How do you like that? Even in those days, Honest John was the only one that could get a Plymouth I... <laughs> Never mind that, let's get along with the play And now, for our hero, Lou Costello's play We take you back to the year 1620, where we find a brave little band of adventurers aboard the good ship Mayflower. The brave captain has eaten nothing but fish, nothing but fish for 90 days, but that doesn't phase him. Let's listen to this fish phase. First mate, John Alden Costello, where are you? Here I am, Captain Miles Standish Abbott. 
We've had, we've had some pretty tough weather. How's the ship holding up? I have a report on the mizzen mast. What about the mizzen mast? It's been mizzen for three days. <laughs> Look out! There's a note stuck to that dagger. Aha! There's mutiny among the men. Read this note, first mate John Alden Costello. The first mate is a dirty landlubber, and he should drop dead. Which one of you swabs wrote this? I did, sir. Give that man 20 lashes and a box of Snickers. <laughs> I know what we'll do. We'll put the whole crew on bread and water. Why pamper them? Let them eat the regular food. I... <laughs> Captain Miles Stanish Habit, me thinks you made a mistake. When we left England, I think you forgot to untie the boat from the dock. What makes you say what makes you say that? Just look behind us. We're in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean and people are still waving goodbye to us. <laughs> look! Look, John Alden Costello, there's land ahead. We should be proud. The Mayflower has broken all records for the Atlantic crossing. Yes, we beat the Queen Elizabeth by 326 years. <laughs> Columbus for showing us the way. He marked the route. That's funny. I didn't see a Burma shave sign all the way across. <laughs> John Alden Costello, watch where you're steering the boat. Don't worry, Captain Miles Standish Habit. I know every reef along this coast. There's one now. You idiot. That's the shore. Quick, drop the anchor. Aye, aye, sir. Here she goes. Costello, what are you doing down there in the water? What are you asking me for? Why don't you ask the sound man? He just got soaked. <laughs> what are you doing down there in the water? I forgot to let go of the anchor. <laughs> so the little boat Mayflower made the crossing. The shore was deserted. No Indians came down to greet them. It was seven o'clock on a Sunday night. All the Indians were home in their wigwam. Listen. They're all trying to guess the mystery tune on Stop the Tom Tom. <laughs> First mate John Alden Costello drops the gangplank, and down the runway comes the beautiful Priscilla. <laughs> Costello, honey bun. Just think of it. You and I are the first people to set foot on this new land. This virgin territory belongs to no one. Priscilla, my love, are you sure this land belongs to no one? Look what it says on that rock. What? Los Angeles city limits. John <laughs> Alden Costello, our people are starving. We must go into the woods and get food for our little band of pilgrims. Look over there, Abbott. There's a field of corn. That's Indian corn. That's maize. You think May would mind if we take a little? Uh, what are you talking about? You just said the corn belonged to maize. I did not. I said the corn was maize. Then it's maize corn. That's right. Well, what's wrong with finding May and asking for some of her corn? I, did, I didn't say the, the corn belonged to maize. I merely said the corn was maize. How do you like that? Here it is, the year 1620, and this guy is starting a routine. <laughs> Stella, maize is Indian corn. The Indians grind their own corn. Those Indians are smart. We pay riders to grind ours. <laughs> Oh, here comes an Indian. I'll be friendly and say hello to him. How do you say hello to an Indian? How? I asked you first. 
I just told you. Told me what? How? If I knew how, I wouldn't be asking you. <laughs> what did you ask me? How? Now, now you've got it. Got it. Now I'm really mixed up. <laughs> Stella, they may be after our scalps. Oh, uh, look, there's a note tied on that arrow. I'll read it. Men, are you slowly losing your hair? <laughs> See Chief Tomahawk and lose it all at once. Costello, here comes an Indian, and he has his hand raised. Say something to him. Chief, you can go now. Ugh, me scout. Me chief, cheap underwear. Why do they call you chief, cheap underwear? Me creep up on you. Step him aside and make way for Big Chief. <laughs> that must have been a super chief. <laughs> Watch him language, pale face. Meet him Big Chief running water. He looks like a big drip. <laughs> chief, meet my friend John Alden Costello. Are you gay? Are you gay? Yeah, but we gotta get better actors. <laughs> you dummy, you're reading that wrong. That's Oak. Oak. Listen, Tubby, I've got as much right to play an Indian as you have to play John Alden. Oh, yeah? I'll have you know that my great-grandfather goes back to Martha Washington. He does? Yes, of course, he only goes back there when George isn't home. <laughs> oh, who cares about that? I've got troubles of my own. Why, only this morning I was sending up some smoke signals to my sweetheart, Pocahontas. And what happened? Her father came along and put out my fire. <laughs> Well, I've got to go now, and as we say in Indian, you father, umstead, I'm a hawk to you. And your father's busted tomahawk to you, too. <laughs> John Alden Costello, I haven't the courage to propose to the fair Priscilla. You, as my best friend, must do it for me. You mean you want me to make love to the fair Priscilla for you? Yes. He doesn't know me very well, does he, folks? <laughs> go into Priscilla's cabin, John Alden Costello. Propose to her. Propose to her for me. Tell her, tell her I'm a soldier. And if she refuses me, I'll go back to the bottle. You mean you'll go back to the battle? You go back to what you like, and I'll go back to what I like. Uh, <laughs> no, now, go no, ahead, no. Ah, John Alden Costello, my little bouncing Boston baked bean. <laughs> ah, Priscilla, my little tomato. Smother me with the ketchup of your kisses. When I'm close to you like this, something cold seems to spread all over me. It does. Yes, you dropped your popsicle down the back of my neck. Pray tell me, why have you come here? To propose to you for my dear friend, Miles Standish Abbott, the poor broken-down guy. He couldn't come himself. He's all shot. He's practically falling apart. He can't even read a, read a straight line anymore. <laughs> That's plenty of company, too. <laughs> Priscilla, my love. I'm not used to straight lines, either. <laughs> Priscilla, my love. You couldn't go for him, could you? Are you proposing for him? Sure. It must be wonderful to have a true devoted friend like you. If Miles Standish Abbott had another friend like me, he wouldn't need any enemies. <laughs> Oh, why don't you speak for yourself, John Alden Costello, honey? I'd love to marry you, Priscilla, but I can't. I'm already married. <laughs> 
that fellow. We're doing a story from history. And the history books say that John Alden was a bachelor. That was before the historians found out about John's other wife. Oh, let me out of here. Our madmen aren't through with you yet. Right now, they want you to hear this. doing our Thanksgiving play, we didn't get a chance to do our Sam Shovel detective mysteries tonight. That's right, Abbott, but Sam Shovel will be back next Thursday night. Well, uh, what is your Sam Shovel story for next week? Well, it's one of my liveliest cases. I call it the case of the chorus girls who went swimming in their underwear or down to the sea in slips. <laughs> well, that's, that's about all for tonight, Costello. All except telling the folks about our swell gang that helps put this show together. Our writing staff is headed by Eddie Foreman with Paul Conlon, Pat Costello, Martin Ragaway, and Leonard Stern. And let's not forget our capable producer, Charles Vander. And let's not forget to say goodnight. Good night, folks. Good night to everybody in Patterson. Good night. <laughs> Listen each Thursday night at this time for another great Abbott and Costello show, produced and transcribed in Hollywood. Be sure to stay tuned for the outstanding entertainment which follows throughout the evening on this ABC station. Abbott and Costello, you have been listening to the 2018 Thanksgiving special of The Devil's Mischief, featuring the works of Abbott and Costello. Yeah, we decided not to go with the Thanksgiving leftovers special, which I guess means I'll have even more to play next year. Maybe I could do both. We'll see what happens in 2019. If you do listen to a lot of those past Thanksgiving episodes, though, you'll hear a song that I usually play in the background as I'm doing my little talk-over spots like this. And the song that I would always use in a lot of those Thanksgiving specials is a song from the band The Residents. In 2002, they released their album Demons Dance Alone, one of my personal favorites. And there was a limited edition double disc version that had a second disc of demos and outtakes from the album. One of those songs was a short instrumental piece called Happy Thanksgiving. So I'm going to play that song as is instead of playing it on the background. That's what I'm going to finish with. Now, why play that besides the fact that it's Thanksgiving? Well, the residents have always been an anonymous group. No interviews and only photographed or seen performing when they're fully costumed hiding their identities. In order to make that work, though, they needed to have a management team who would talk to people while giving the band full freedom to be artists. And that management team is called the Cryptic Corporation. 
One of the prominent members of that was Hardy Fox. I met Hardy Fox on the opening night of the Demon's Dance Alone tour and talked to him here and there over the years. I'm sad to say that Hardy Fox passed away from cancer recently, so this song is dedicated to him, a man who had an enormous influence on me as a musician, even though he may not have known it. Happy Thanksgiving. Hail Hardy Fox. Hail Abbott and Costello. Hail Satan and pass the gravy.